Welcome to another episode of Iron Sharpens Iron, Talking Faith with your host, Dr. Ellis O. Henderson. Listen as he shares his faith journey with intentional application methods to inspire, motivate, and activate your spiritual life to develop a deeper connection to the one true source, Yahweh. This is a Faith Becomes Sight production on Black Talk Radio. Now, here's your host, Dr. E. Good evening, everybody, and welcome again to another episode of Iron Sharpens Iron Talking Faith with Dr. Ellis O. Henderson. Um, I have a special guest with us today, um, a good friend of mine. Before I introduce him, I want to pay some bills. We want to give a shout out to Black Talk Radio Network for allowing us to have me on this platform. I want to shout out my homegirl, um, Tracy Ross, who did the voice um, recording, as well as James Satchmo Gates of Richmond, who allowed us to use his song, New Beginning. And so once again, we're back again. This is not a live broadcast. This is a recording that will be recorded for shown again on Friday night. But I have this great man with us today, um, one of my closest friends, my brother. Um, I consider to be one of the greatest men that I know because of just what he's done in my life. And so I want to introduce you to some, and for those who don't know this great man of God, his name is Elton Brown of the NBA, he played at UVA, but his heart is out of Newport News. Big E, what's up, baby? Hey, what's happening? Thank you for having me up here. I greatly appreciate that introduction. Um, it was great. And like you said, we we are definitely friends. We are brothers. And uh, I, I'm just happy to be here to, you know, just tell my story and just tell you, you know, the people about faith and just, you know, how my life was and just my journey. Well, tell me, man. Um, um, first of all, let's talk about when um, you was in high school yeah. and you were, you were getting recruited by these colleges. Mm-hmm. So for those out there who don't understand the process, tell me what you endured and how you got to UVA. Wow. Uh, it, it, it was a tough process. And to be honest with you, a lot of people thought from the outside looking in, it looked as if it was just all peaches and cream and it was just all just fun, good times and celebrating but it was a tough time for me because as you growing up, you have the success of being an athlete, but you don't really have the success of like also being a kid and being mm. able to enjoy your youth. Wow. So a lot of people don't understand that because they just saw, oh, Elton, he's he's going to college or he's getting recruited by all these people. But, you know, a lot of times, especially growing up where I grew up at, it was hard to um, enjoy my childhood. You know, so it, it, it was a tough process for me um, being able to try to balance myself with. Um, I would say, like, just to ask, you know, trying to be the best basketball player I can be, but at the same time, trying to be able to enjoy my childhood and then at the same time, trying to stay alive in my, in my neighborhood. So, <laughs> right on. So, right on. so you, got three, you got three pieces that people don't really understand uh, when it comes to the success of trying to make it out of a situation. So it was a tough process for me. Um, I think that, you know, my mom and my grandmother, they raised me. Uh, They was always there for me. Uh, They they did what they were supposed to do. Uh, My dad was in my life. He was in Houston. So it wasn't a physical presence uh, of growing up with a male in my household. So, you know, most typical kids in my area, you know, the, the streets racist. You know, right, so right. It, it was it was a tough it was kind of like a tough situation uh, growing up, you know, 
with the process of recruiting. Being that you're being recruited by everybody in the country, but then you coming home to the hood, you mm. know. So, mm. um, you know, when you have these top coaches in America coming into downtown Nuka News, and when they come in, the whole hood is waiting to see them because they <laughs> see them on TV. And I got the whole block, the coach like, hey, uh, can you come outside and meet us at the car? Because it's, it's, it's like 40 people outside. I don't know what's going on. So, um, it, it so was, look it was at, looking back at that, looking back at that, um, however many years ago, and I heard, I've never heard you say you didn't have a childhood. Like, in all the years I've known you, I've never... When did you get to the place that you you can look back now and see how God moved in your life? Wow. Man, God moved in my life as soon as I moved to Ninth Street. Mm. You know, um, I could just feel, you know, a lot of people don't understand. Like, I grew up in a tough area. And I could tell that at one point, it, when I was at about 5'10", uh, six foot and one summer I grew from like five ten to six four. Wow. Um so I knew right then I said this gotta be a gift or a calling for something. I didn't know it was gonna be basketball, but I knew it had to be for something. Um and then you know I had my high school coach actually catch me outside on a block one day on a corner and I was hanging out with some of my friends and he was like hey man you know what what you doing out here you six four six five why are you out here? hanging out you need to be playing basketball I think at that point I realized that like God was trying to give me a sign to say look you need to get out of here you need to mm. better yourself get yourself away from this because it's it's rare that you see somebody grow from 5'10 to 6'4 in the summer you know um so I think that was a blessing I really believe that was my calling when I realized God was like look you need to do something with your life you know wow some of it what other sport was you interested in other than um, basketball? Well, I started off playing tennis. Uh, oh, was, I never knew that. <laughs> yeah, I was. <laughs> yeah, I was a good tennis player. Um, I was in a program called Achievable Dream. I was the first group that actually kicked off the program called Achievable Dream, which is, which still exists to this day. Um, I was started playing at the third grade, and um, you know it was an outlet. I was actually pretty good. I was actually number one in the state in my age group um, at that point when I got to like the fifth grade and I was actually pretty good. And it, um, unfortunately things happened and basically they kicked me out the program. This is a true story. This is true. Uh, they kicked me out the program. They kicked oh, me out God. the program. My mom was so mad because the program was guaranteed to either put some money, like, you know, some type of scholarship once you got to your senior year. You, all you had to do was just stay on course. And by your senior year in high school, they would do some type of funding if you went to an in-state school or not a full scholarship, but you was going to get more than what you would have got not going in this program, right. being in this program. And, I, you know, I got kicked out in the sixth or seventh grade and I remember my mom was like you gotta go you know my mom kicked me out the house and he reminded you I'm in like sixth seventh grade now <laughs> my mom like you gotta go she goes to Goodwill get a chest brings in she's packing my clothes up you know so that's a long story on that one but yeah that was my first sport <laughs> <laughs> awesome man that's awesome yeah. okay so so let's 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 um so you went to UVA um mm -hmm. and you, you met your lovely wife Monique 
And, and by the way, Elton has two wonderful kids, Zarya, and we refer to his son as Cube. Yeah. His son is the fourth, right? <laughs> uh, the third. He the third. He the but third. But it's five Eltons. It's actually six Eltons in our family, though. Oh, wow. Yeah, well, and my so, cousin has Elton. Son. It's two Elton Browns, right? Yeah, my cousin and my dad. So, so your cousin went to UVA too, right? Yes, he went to UVA, and he actually has a son on the way too, and his name. So, <laughs> isn't that something? Isn't that amazing? Yeah. yeah. So, so, so you went to UVA. You, you met, you met your, your lovely wife, Monique. You obviously um, play ball. So, can you talk about your basketball journey from going to UVA, leaving early, um, going to the league? Can you just talk about the number of teams that you played for, and how many years you you played professional basketball? <laughs> In total, I played 14 to 15. I think it was 15 years. Yeah, 14 wow. or 15 years uh, professional. Um, I think in the whole experience, you know, with UVA for me was very shocking. Um, again, I keep harping on this because a lot of people don't understand. Like they see me now, but they didn't know who I was then. Right. Um, so. I, I keep harping on my childhood growing up because it was so instrumental in my life because that's what kind of made me to mm. what I am today. So me going to UVA and I'm seeing the cultural difference. Mm. It was, it was shocking to me. I'm coming from the hood. Can't go no further downtown in new canoes. That's the hood is after that is just water. Um, so me growing up in this neighborhood and I only see, you know, black people around me, it was a shock going to UVA. Um, I remember the first day of camp school, I was like, what is this? You know, I was like, this has got to be like a show or something. Because I didn't never, I didn't see any black people at first, uh, besides my teammates. And, you know, once I got there, I ended up seeing that, you know, it was, it was definitely diverse, but not as diverse as, you know, other colleges, but it was definitely diverse. And, you know, it was, you know, my college career, it, it was it was ups and downs. You know, I was 17 going into college. And wow. again, being 17 going to college and coming from where I came from, I thought that as if I knew everything, you couldn't tell me anything. Um, I was the baddest, toughest guy on campus in my mind. And you couldn't tell me what to do. And that's the was. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, but I didn't have any issues. Well, you ain't got no issues. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't have see how big this man's hands are. This man's hands can wrap around a basketball two or three times. He has the biggest hands I've ever seen in my life. Yo, you always he, say that. Yo, if he smack you, it's, it's, it's done for. He has the biggest hands I've ever seen in my life. Like, and I thought I had big hands. Yo, anyway, I digress. <laughs> he's a big man, yo. Yeah. He, he's a big man who has a soft heart. And he'll do anything for you. He'll do anything for you to help you out. That's what I, that's what I love about you. Have a, you have a heart to help out people, man. That's why I just appreciate you. Um, and I just learned so much about you and how to handle things. You used to always keep me calm. <laughs> you would tell yeah. me to calm down. <laughs> yeah. Imagine the wild one telling the other person to calm down. <laughs> I know, right? I know, right? I used to I'm tell you calm down a lot. <laughs> I'm the pastor. You're like, yo, 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 E, calm down. <laughs> Absolutely. Man, those are the days. Yes. Those were the days. Those were the days. So, um, so now, let's, let's talk about this NBA career of yours. 
Mm-hmm. And, and again, you was talking about, um, you know, just coming from Newport News and how that that made you who you are. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I said, with the transition from UVA to the uh, the professional level, you know, um, and I, I'm not ashamed to talk about my past and background at this point in life. Um, but, you know, I was supposed to be drafted in the, the first round. Um, unfortunately, I caught a case my senior year and uh, basically prohibited me from I don't think anybody was going to draft me after that situation, uh, which, you know, again, it was on ESPN and everything, all those PTI shows. I'll never forget the day. Uh, I'm not going to give this guy any credit, but I ain't, I'm not going to say his name. <laughs> but um, we was watching TV and the guy was like, you know, there's no way I would draft Elton Brown. Is, is he a good player? Yes. Yeah, he, he's a hell of a player. But. Do you draft him when you have Steven Jackson on the team? You have Jermaine O'Neal, you have Ron Artest, and you put Elton Brown with them? That's four crazy people, you know what I mean? <laughs> and it reminds you, and when people don't realize, they don't re- realize, I was still in college when this comic was being said, right, a month before the draft. Um, I, you know, when you think about what I, you know, when I, if I can go back, yeah, but at the end of the day, it happened. The situation happened. I didn't get drafted for that reason. Um, and then I ended up taking my talents to Europe or the NBA D-League. Um, so I started off in Denver, Colorado, playing in the Denver, Colorado. Um, you know, first team all D-League, uh, led the leading scoring, led the leading rebounding, uh, was the, was on the, played on the team where we was the highest scoring team on planet. Uh, ESPN did like a special on us because we averaged the most points in the world. Um, and you know, from that point on, I end up having a chance to go after that to the Knicks. And uh, you know, Isaiah Thomas was a the coach there. Um, I had some success there, played a few games. Um, and then I got a situation where they released me. It was basically I could either go overseas and make more money, or I could just stay in the NBA and just be average making money. Um, I decided to have them, you know, get, I got released. And after that, I went over to Europe and played some years in Europe. I came back, played with the Lakers, played some games with the Lakers, had another offer, left, went overseas again, which again, it totaled up to 14 years of of playing professional basketball, which, you know, six European championships, um, three MVPs, a couple of scoring mm. titles, and, and uh, a couple of rebounding. And, you know, a lot of people don't really understand the, the hard work it takes to go through that. And everybody thinks that if you don't make the NBA, you're going overseas. That's not true because everybody who go overseas, everybody who not don't make the NBA doesn't go overseas. Overseas mm. is harder to make than the NBA. Wow. Why is so, that? Well, number one is because they're not com- – when you playing in America, you can just turn the TV on and everybody can see you play. But the Europeans don't see you play like that in, in America unless they have to stay up at four in the morning, you know, and watch a game. Um, but overseas in Europe is so much difficult because they're not coming over there. Just they're not flying all the way over here to uh, come see you if you don't have game. Mm. And you can go to all the international camps and all that. If them GMs from those big teams are not there, that it doesn't matter. So it's harder to get noticed because then you got to, if you're not a big time player, how are you going to get footage over there to those European camps and those teams? 
you know. Well, I do know this. Um, in 2011, I, I came to visit Elton in Israel. Mm. And um, Elton, his team was, was not in Israel. And so mm-hmm. Elton had his folks while I was there pick me up at the airport, take me around the entire time. And everywhere I went in Israel, it was like, yo, this is Elton Brown's friend. Elton Brown! I mean, like, you were like a superstar. And <laughs> though you wasn't there, I, no no lie, I lived off of your credit in mm-hmm. Israel. I mean, people embraced me because I was your man. I was your friend, right? And though you weren't there. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So that says a lot about not only your athletic prowess, but also about your personality, your character, that people, you know, still treated me as though I was with you, though you wasn't with me, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And and to, you know, kind of piggyback on that is, you know, like you said earlier, I, I'm a type of person, if if I decide you're my friend, I'm going to make sure that I show you that you're my friend. Um, And a guy with, I live off street morals before anything. So a lot of people will be like, oh, you can't, well, that's how I was raised. So this is right. what I go by. And there's no way I can have you in, in a foreign place and not, and I'm there and I'm quote unquote the guy and don't have you being taken care of you know so I made sure I got everybody hey this is my guy treat him well um, show him around get him some good food you know and so that was good to be able to have you see that type of experience and then just you know um, I felt good knowing that you was taken care of you know oh, no doubt yeah. no doubt um, so that made I, me happy I would have I would have never came to Israel if you had not brought it up to me you was like yo you need to come to Israel I'm like come to Israel and you, I you, remember. Like, yeah, you, you can do the tours, you know, I'll be balling, we'll have a great time, I'll take care of you, you know, yeah. and, I, and yeah. that's how I got to Israel. Yeah. One of the best times that. of my life. One of the yeah. best times of my life. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so, let, so. Let, let's talk about, so, so we talked about, you know, you've been in Newport News. We got about five more minutes um, before we got to take a break. Um, mm-hmm. And so um, I want us to talk about your current business and um, how you decided to stop playing basketball and embark upon your, your current business, all right? So we're going to take about a five-minute break. I know it's not even a five-minute break. It's about a, it's about a two-minute break. Um, and Black Talk Radio Network is going to um, I'm show a commercial. Um, I don't know what, what Scott is doing. Anyway, we, we got a commercial going on. So let's take about a two-minute break, and, and then we'll come back. I'm not a writer. Okay. Black Talk Radio since 2008, providing new black media for the masses. All right, guys, we're back. With Elton Brown on Talking Faith with, with, with Dr. Ellis O'Henderson. We're sharpening iron, iron sharpening iron here. And, and but my brother Elton is basically just sharing his faith journey, talking about how he came out of Newport News and where he is right now. We, we closed out and Elton was talking about his um his European basketball days. But now we're, I'm going to ask him to transition from how he got to playing basketball to what he's currently doing. And he'll give an opportunity to, to share that. So, so good brother. Um, once again, thanks for being with us. Can you tell us how you transitioned from basketball to what you're doing now? Yeah, uh, 
it was a tough transition. I, I would say that, you know, your whole life you playing basketball and you're you're like basically admired from others and uh, you're making the money. You got the fame. Um, you just living a lifestyle. So all of a sudden that day you have to say, I got to hang them up. And I could I still had about five years left. But um, as you mentioned earlier, I'm a family man first. So, you know, when my son was born, I knew I was I was playing when my daughter was born. So uh, I wasn't there a lot for her early childhood. And, I, you know, even when I was in Europe, I felt like, uh, you know, even when I was in the NBA, it's like, um, you know, not NBA, Europe at this point. I'm like, you know, it was kind of like bothering me that I wasn't there with my daughter and, mm. and my wife at the time. Um, so I'm like, you know, what's going on? with like this feeling because I'm making money I'm enjoying life but it's something missing where it was my my kids and my my kid and my wife so mm. and when my my son was born I remember my wife was like you know it's gonna be two and I have to work I don't know how I'm gonna do it um and so I just took that chance and took a leap of faith and and was like I'm gonna retire you know, I gave up, I gave up, you know, five years of income, <laughs> good income <laughs> um, to uh, be with my family and to um, start a life now here. Because as long as I never was with my wife for a year straight ever when I was playing, never. Um, so not to be around my wife for a whole year, never. Um it was tough. So it was an easy decision for me to kind of retire. It, you know, I still sometimes like, man, I wish I would have did this. I wish I would have did that. But the transition was tough. Uh, I think a lot of athletes don't understand that when you transition into the real world, you know, some of those people don't care about if you could dribble a ball or how many fans you got. They want to know what can you do for them right now. And um, I quickly realized that, you know, I did a little, I guess I did some fake applications before. And I, I filled out some applications to some, some like, you know, high end jobs where, you know, I was like, okay, I can get six figures or, you know, whatever. Ooh, ooh. Um, nobody ever hit me back. <laughs> so I was like, man, I went to UVA, blah, blah, blah. But a lot of people didn't feel as if I was ready for that type of pay. And it's coming from where I came from. There's no way I can try to get paid less. Um, so I said, you know what? I sat down one day. And I, I literally prayed to God and I said, give me a sign. Give me something to let me know what I need to do at the basketball. I was like, I need to bring income in. I don't want to go into my savings. I got savings. I don't want to have to, you know, give me a sign. And I remember one day praying and maybe like a day later, uh, I had a memory come up on my phone with my grandmother and it was a Facebook memory from when I had signed my letter of intent to play at Uni University of Virginia. It was a press conference and the picture of me hugging her. And when I saw that picture, I thought about, man, the whole process of her when she was alive, moving and downsizing mm. and how hard it was for her and the, the, the turbulence my family had to go through within the, within our family. And, um, I thought of my company that's currently called Boomers Transitions to help seniors yeah. when it comes to moving and downsizing, kind of trying to prevent families from going through what my family had to go through when it came down for uh, my mom, uh, my grandmother's transition into a senior community. So tell me about Boomer Transition. What is Boomer Transitions? 
and where and where are you located? You know, give me all your information. P- people who are here are all over the country, but how yeah. can they find out more about Boomer Transition? You could definitely find out more <laughs> about us, uh, boomerstransitions.com. Uh, feel free to follow us on Facebook, uh, Instagram, LinkedIn. Uh, you can also even call to figure out any information that you want to know about our company. The company is basically a senior transitional company that help companies uh, downsize. I mean, help seniors, excuse me, seniors downsize when it their time to transition into a senior community or senior facility. Um, so if you have a, a grandma, aunt, mom, dad, and they're at age and they're living in the house and you like, hey, you know, we need mom or dad doesn't need to be here by themselves and it's time for them to transition into a, a senior community. What we do is we come in, um, we do a consultation, we move all the items that might need to be moved to the senior community. If it's a lot of extra items, we can either donate it, we'll haul it off, donate it for them. Um, if they need things that they need dump, we'll dump it. If they need their house sold, we can help them uh, sell their house with partner realtors. Um, if they need help finding a senior community to put their their uh, family in, we have partners for that as well. Um, our main objective is to make sure the transition is seamless and, and make sure that it can be able to create less headache for the families when it's time to move. So we help them move. We pack up everything for them. Uh, we move them. We set up their new place. We remove all the boxes and everything. And it's, it's a, seam- a seamless transition. How long have you been, um, have you come to been in existence? Man, God blessed me this year for six. Um, wow. I'm in mean, six years and um, I have had this company and it flew by. <laughs> it flew. Um, but I'm just, you know, I'm blessed. And, and I always thank God every day, honestly, that thank you for blessing my company. Um, because um, I don't know what I would have been doing <laughs> if if uh, <laughs> if I didn't have this company, you know. Um, so he blessed me with this company, and I, I I listened to his. Well, you know, I took his blessings, and I and I don't take it for granted, and I cherished what I have started um, out of my own pockets, you know. Um, just when I say out of my pockets, I'm saying like I didn't go to a bank for a loan to get a hundred thousand dollars you know, or $200,000. And I changed the blueprint on how to start a, a business without having a lot of capital. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it's right now I'm in the works of uh, trying to expand to Las Vegas. Mm. I'm going to have a company in Las Vegas, Boomer Transition is going to be there next. Um, so I'll be going out there shortly, uh, sometime this month or early next month, actually. To just you know get my feet wet and you know let people in Las Vegas know about the, the company. What what led you to Las Vegas and stay not Florida? Well, Florida Florida is 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 not going to go anywhere when it comes to Florida being the mecca of retirement for seniors. Ah, right, right, that's not going anywhere. But in Las Vegas, it's up and coming. So they got the mm. new football team. They they getting a baseball team. They got a D League team. They trying to bring an NBA team. So you got all these things and a lot of California natives are migrating to the Las Vegas area. So you have a lot of seniors. Las Vegas has over 75 senior communities. Mm. <laughs> so oh, wow. That's that's you know, if you could get in now while they're 
up and coming, that's the the way to go about it. So, you know, like I said, just doing your homework and creating. I'm all, Florida is definitely my next stop, <laughs> but I wanted to get Vegas because it's a money maker. And when, it, right. when I say money maker is everybody is coming, all the professional teams and, you know, Seniors love sports. Right <laughs> so, on, right on. <laughs> they love sports because they don't have nothing else to do. Right, you know, true, sometimes, true. Sometimes when they're in those communities, all they do is just watch TV. So they like to see sports. They like to go to sporting events. And that and the statistics shows that that keeps their brain young and fresh. So so you've talked about um, your, 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 uh, your basketball career. You've talked about your, your, your now current professional career. Now let's talk about some of some of the challenges of being a father to a son who is very much like his daddy. <laughs> let's talk about um, you know just your ch- not 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 your challenges, but how has it been being a um, a father, being a husband after being on the road most of your life playing basketball. And now, you know, you're coming back home to be, you know, you know, Ward Cleaver, you know, you know, Bill Cosby. Um, I'm not Bill Cosby. <laughs> you know, Cleaver, 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 right? You know what I'm saying? Oh, Mr. <laughs> hey, look, Mr. Huxable, not Bill Cosby. Yeah, yeah, right. Dr. Huxable. Okay, yeah, I get Dr. Huxable. Not Bill Cosby, though. <laughs> not Bill Cosby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's, let's talk about that. You know, um, I, I remember um, when you told me that you was going to retire. I'm like, what? You going to retire? He was like, yo, man. He's like, listen, Cube, Cube, I got, I got to be home for Cube. He's a Cube like me. <laughs> yeah. So, so let's talk about your father. And and, and, and also, I'm going to say this, too, very quickly. Um, um, Elton just gave us a, a cookie-cutter version of, of him establishing a company. Um. But Elton has always had a brilliant idea. I remember um, years ago, um, he, he said, hey, man, what do you think about, you know, having a, a delivery service, a people delivering food? Yes, I'm like, yes. I'm like, I'm like what? That's kind of dumb. I would dare do that. Well, yeah. um, about seven years later, we got yeah. DoorDash. <laughs> yes. I remember. The, oh, my goodness. That's A. <laughs> e. Absolutely. I even told my wife, we was talking the other day, I still got my LLC for that. That's why I started to, I had a name, I forgot the name of it, but I just saw it not too, uh, maybe like two weeks ago and I saw it and she was like, that's crazy. You was talking about this before yep. DoorDash and yep. Uber Eats, all that came yep. out. Yep. And now In look 2013, at it. 2013, I think. If I, it was earlier than that. Yeah, I think I met you in 2010. You met me in 2010. Yeah, I had just got married. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and mm-hmm. I never forget you. Were t- I'm like, what? So, so yep. I, again, um, I say that. So when Elton is talking about going to Vegas, I mean, Elton has seen something. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so absolutely, El- Elton is very clairvoyant. <laughs> he, he's a clear thinker. He's a pragmatic, you know, logical, you know, strategic person. Like he doesn't move haphazardly. He does his homework. He is scouting mm-hmm. things out beforehand, and so. When he says something's going to happen, it's been my experience that it's happened, yeah. and, and that's just my experience and, and and rolling with him. So he's not someone who is going to move without doing his homework. But as I said, he's very clairvoyant, very spiritual, very mindful of the times and the market and what the needs are of the people. And even back in 2012, when he was talking about this thing, so when I was when I was in a wheelchair for the last eight months, 
I'm thinking about DoorDash. And every time that person came to the, to the door, I was mad. I'm like, hey, <laughs> <laughs> we could have been doing this man. years ago. <laughs> this could have been us years ago. Man, years I'm so ago. mad. Yeah. Years ago. Yeah. You know, yeah. And so the majority of our conversations over the years has been about business. You know, mm-hmm. making business. You know, making money business. You know, how can we do things in the community? How can we change things? And so, you know, being a father of an African-American boy after having endured growing up in Newport News, what were some of your fears and what are some of your successes as a father? Well, some of, I mean, my biggest fear is just uh, my son following the the path that I followed early in my childhood. Um, he's already ahead of me because he had a father in the house. So ah. that that was my number one thing is me being a father, like, I'm going to be here. I'm going to make it work. I'm going to make sure my family stay together, you know, because I didn't have that. And me not having a father in the house was what kind of like derailed my course to success in a sense. Um, And, and, and I know that for a fact. Um, And just, and just having, I always tell my son and I tell my daughter this too. I don't care how much book sense you got. Book sense means you just remember stuff. Well, that's it. But common sense is what mattered to me because common sense can get you through a lot of situations in life. And I preach this to my kids every day, every day before they walk out the house, you be a leader. Don't never be a follower, you know? Um, and, and, and that for me as a father, it's all about those type of things that help me grow up. You know, now I look back, I'm like, common sense got me through UVA, <laughs> you know, I'll be honest with you. I didn't, I didn't study much at UVA. No, I didn't. I'll be honest with you. But I passed because I had common sense. I, I, you know, I know if a dog walk across the street without looking, it's going to get hit. You know, so. But you also, you have, I mean, you got accepted UVA. So, you, listen, first of all, let's not, let's talk about your 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 your, your academic career in high school and college. You know what I'm saying? You, you were, yeah. you know, I mean, you know what I'm saying? You, you was a smart kid. You ain't have to study. You know? That, that's what I'm saying. Kid. That's what I, that, and that's what I mean. Common sense is a lot of when you go to college, the work that you get is basically common sense when you look at it. Mm. I, I promise you, I went to the number one academic school in America, public schools in America, number one, no nothing else higher. And I, mm. I, I went from I went from hood gang banging to UVA. <laughs> You, so you you think it ain't the at that point what I'm saying is I did do my due diligence and you know trying to study and, and, and things like that but a lot of the work I honestly I I, I just have to be honest like I just use common sense mm. I, I I promise you I we will write papers and they'll be like you need a we have a 15 20 page paper due about um you know why why African Americans you know, like hot sauce, you know, <laughs> and this is, no, but this is, this is true. No, this is really true. This is not a, I'm, this is a topic. I'm, I'm seriously, this was really a topic back then. Wow. Anthropology was my major. Anthropology was my major. So anthropology is a study of humans and why they do certain things. And, and, and this, people think it's about fossils and it's not. Why did you choose anthropology? Because I listened to my teammates and everybody around me because I thought it was easy, but I was, <laughs> but I was shortly, I was quickly reminded that this is UVA and it was not easy. I was trying to get out that major so fast, but I was stuck because so, it was so hard. 
but I got it done. And I, to this day, I appreciate it. And again, that's why I say, when I look back at my life, it's certain things I could have done different that I probably would have done this different. You know, I would have took college more serious and, and not just focus on basketball. I would have joined some, a chess club or a checker club or a science club or something just to, you know, mingle and learn how to work with others outside of sports. Because mm. I think that's key because once you're in college, the more groups you're around and the more people you have in connections, when you get into the real world, you never know if you might need them to make a call. You wow. know, for me, I didn't do that. So now I I had to rely on my just strictly basketball contact of me being me. But what about the person who might be working for Microsoft and I want to when I started a, um, a, a game app and he might know some coding or something. Well, he don't like me because I, I ain't pay him no attention because I was an athlete, you know? Mm. So connections in the real world are key when you're young. And that's something I always tell my son and my daughter, hey, don't burn bridges with people, show people respect. I don't care who they are, whether they, somebody that's, you know, standing on the corner with a sign to somebody who's worth a hundred million. I don't care who you are, honestly. You could be a hundred million and I still won't listen to nothing you say if I don't like your attitude, you know? So- mm -hmm. Attitude, connections. I always, I always, always teach my kids about attitude and just being leaders and working on your common sense and learning with book sense as well. When when you're looking back at um at your life now, I mean, you you are what you're thirty eight. Yeah, I'll be thirty nine next month. Thirty nine next month. Um, your birthday is September. I know it's not too far for Ellis's birthday. Yeah, September fifteenth. Yeah, Alice is the seventeenth. So, yeah. so you you able to look back over your life? Um, what are some of your regrets, and what are some things that you don't regret? <laughs> my biggest regret is my my mouth and attitude. Um, mm. My attitude growing up was just crazy. Um, if I can go back now that I know what I know in life, I, you know, like I said, I would have been more sociable. Uh, more social and and being a uh, a person who listen and not react. You know, sometimes it's you know we we have two ears and one mouth for a reason. Mm. You know, um, you couldn't tell me anything, and I wish I would have listened to a lot of you know some of my teachers back then, um, some of my coaches, some of you know mentors and things. Well, I didn't ever have a yeah like academic. You know, I, I think that that was that was the biggest thing, my attitude. If I can go back and change my attitude and my actions on certain things, I would. Um, but yeah. where did your attitude and actions come from? I mean, I mean, obviously your environment, you know, you had to have that kind of attitude in order to make it out of your environment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? So, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, you look, hindsight <laughs> is twenty twenty. Because you said earlier where you came from made you to who you are now. So even if you regret that, would that take away from who you are? Nah, no, it, it wouldn't. It wouldn't have took away from how because I still stand on business. Um, mm. So when I say that, I mean even though I could have, I could have trimmed down my mouth a little bit and I could have just backed down a little bit from different situations, I still would have had that survival mode mm. um, to get out of there. Because I got out of there by the grace of God. 
me, me, that was just, like I said, the grace of God. If I would have cut back, I could have got myself out of a lot of situations that I didn't need to be in, that it was only God that got me out of that, you know, um, God got me out of a lot of situations, by the way. Let's <laughs> just, <say> <laughs> just, 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 just say that. Let's yeah. just say that, man. Let's yeah. just say that, man. So, but, uh, you know, and, and the reason why I said that, because, you know, if you hadn't gone through that and did that, and you've been able to look back, look at the grace of God, you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like, yeah. I, I think, and, and it's just, just what I've learned. When we look back at things, and though we were not where we are now, and, mm-hmm. and you, as you said, God, God's grace kind of brought us through. It's almost like if we didn't have those moments, we wouldn't have an understanding of how great God's grace is. Absolutely. And I think I think you hit that right on the head. Because um, when you're young, you're you're kind of looking for you're looking for God. Mm, you know, yeah. You're looking for well, if God loved me. Well, why he do this or why he won't give me this or why he won't right. do that when you're right. young you don't understand god put you through certain things because you know that's not what you need to go through or he puts you in or you need to go through this to make who you are um and i think that's what god did with me as a, as a now that i'm 38 i'm looking at like man god put me through all this for these moments in these years here yeah yeah so yeah. so it made me yeah. tougher so now when I go into a room and it's people that don't look like me, I don't, I don't care. Like, I'm not scared. I'm not, I'm not intimidated because of how I grew up. I'm, I, with my head up, chin up, look you in the eye and we have conversation like men or women are supposed to have, no matter what the situation is or no matter what your background is. I can sit here and talk to, uh, I talked to a man the other day that's so funny. Uh, white individual, white man, and we talked for about an hour. And after that hour, he was like, "Man, you know, just talking, talking, talking." He's like, "I would have never." He's like, "I would have never ever guessed that you've been locked up." And my eyes is just like popped open, like what? <laughs> right, this this is this is a true story, true story. And he said, I, I, you know, I would have never thought you'd been locked up the way you carry yourself. So I'm like, how did you know I was locked up? And he was like, oh, I had to do my research if I'm coming to meet with somebody. And he said, I had to dig deeper. And I dig and I saw what you were. And he's like, I still wanted to meet with you. He's like, but now after I met with you, I, I don't even know this old person, you know? Mm. So my, my point of saying is a lot of times people will look at who you are today not realizing what you've been through. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, good stuff. You know, yeah. Good so. stuff. It, it was yeah. it was a great conversation. Remind you, this man worth over 20, 20 million. So for yeah. him to to come to me and still want to talk to me after that, uh, I think it shows my growth and who I am, and again my upbringing. And to this yeah. day, I mean, he, he was like, "Hey, oh, what you doing? You want to grab lunch?" <laughs> you know, like. He want to hang out with me now, you know? So right. it's like, you know, it's, it's just all about how you carry yourself and don't forget where you come from, but also carry yourself in a manner where people will respect you. And, and, you know, I always tell people, if you really, you don't want gangster, being gangster is taking care of your family. Mm. That's gangster to me. You right know, on. taking care of your kids, you know, doing what you ha- have and bringing, bringing happiness to your home when you come home, bringing happiness and spreading the word about just anything in life when you go to the community, 
that's what's gangster. You know, these kids got it backwards these days. And, you know, that's the biggest thing I try to keep my son from having to deal with and having him think it's cool. You know, he's mm. six, you know, and he has a, a you know, he's a, a live wire. He don't play. Like when I say he don't play, he don't play. Like he's a live wire. You know, so you know. Were you like that? <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. Times ten. He said times ten. Times ten. I was a, I was I was more of a live wire because of my environment. So my live right, wire was right. like instant. Like yeah like yeah. i had a rule like if a man look at me i couldn't look away because you ain't gonna i ain't like me in the hood i'm gonna keep staring at you until you look away i can't be the first one to look away because that's a sign of mm. weakness in the hood mm. you know mm. so you know that that's how wire, wired i was but he don't have to he, he live in the suburbs <laughs> what you, what you, what you trying to be tough for young fella ain't nobody out here you, you know so i you know I was like that for sure, though. But it's in the DNA right now. Cube up in a classroom, like, yo, why the kid looking at me? But he's staring at me. <laughs> hey, if I tell you some of the things this man did. <laughs> <laughs> so, so tell me about your daughter, Zarya, your beautiful daughter, Zarya. Yes. Your, yes. your firstborn, your oldest. Oh, man, that's, whew. man, that's my baby girl. Um, uh, you know, she's nine years old. She plays tennis currently. Yeah. Um, and she, you know, low key, if people don't realize that she's an actor, like she acts a lot. She does mm. plays and, and things like that, musicals. Um, oh, wow. And uh, right now, oh, by the way, if you're listening, go to our YouTube page. It's called Zaria Vlogs with Family and Friends. Mm. We got to get, get her likes and subscribes up and, um, you know, make sure. Uh, make sure that you know we get some people to like her page but she's a you know a wonderful uh young lady she's very smart intelligent uh she just she she reminds me of her mom she looks like me but she acts like her mom uh, she's <laughs> very very low-key very subtle very humble um just a typical nayo you know like she she you know she likes to listen to music she likes to dance. Her and her brother like to dance to Michael Jackson. My son thinks he's Michael Jackson now. Um, <laughs> yeah, he danced all day. Um, so, you know, she's just, oh, man, she, she'd be 10 in October. So, oh, wow. to, yeah, to see her being 10, I'm like, wow, she's about to be 10. And she's tall. The doctor said she's going to be six foot at 13. Oh, wow. Yo. Yes, 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 yes. Crazy, right? More, we have a few more minutes, and I, and I would like for you to talk about the influence your wife has had on you over the years. Well, to be honest with you, she was the one who actually kind of like changed my trajectory in life. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I met her my freshman year in college, the first day of school, and I said, you know, I'm going to marry you. She was like, mm. I don't care about that you play basketball or anything like that. I'm not marrying no athlete. And uh, <laughs> I said, said okay. That? Yeah, she said this. Like it was something to the words like, I don't care if you play basketball. And don't quote me, but it was along those lines, like, I don't care if you play basketball and I, you know, I'm not dealing with athletes or something like that. And um, of course, I she she wasn't paying me any attention. <laughs> so I was in her class. <laughs> uh so for the first few months, you know, I'm throwing everything at her to try to make sure I can get her attention. It wasn't working. 
And then one day, um, our teacher gave us an assignment together. And uh, she was like, I don't, you know, you play sports. I don't care. I'm not going to do this work by myself. You're going to have to help me. And, you know, and from that point on, I think she saw a side of me. And, you know, I was 18 at that point, 17, 18. So you're talking about 20 plus years later, we're married with two kids. But she helped me when it comes to like the attitude and how I look at the world, how I look at the how I look at life. You know, um, everybody is not an enemy or everybody mm. is not, as the young kids say, an op. Um, mm. So I had to realize that because I didn't like people. And um, <laughs> I, just, I didn't. I, I just, I didn't, I didn't like people. And I'm at 38, I'm probably just starting to like people now as I go. Um, and she helped me with that, you know? So it, it was, uh, I think it was a blessing that she came into my life and helped me out because I don't, I honestly don't know how I would have made it through like UVA or after college. If I didn't have somebody like supporting that, uh, the life I was living as far as being an athlete as well. Mm. Wow. Uh, so she was very, she was very instrumental, um, to my growth. Um, and you know, she, like I said, she, she was at UVA with me and it was just, you know, like that. Um, I want to give a quick, uh, a quick random thought. This is totally off topic, but I want to thank you also um, because I never, I don't think I ever was able to tell you how instrumental you was when I first moved down here in Richmond as just, I always looked at you as my mentor. And I remember one day you came to my house and we sat outside. I don't know if you remember for like, two hours in front of my house it was blazing hot but it was like yeah. the conversation was so good I remember. That we 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 talked and i and you know you taught you taught me a lot about certain things that i didn't know as a young black male something simple something simple as you know just going to a restaurant and being able to record wine or something you know um or just learning certain things about money and investments and you used to always talk to me so i just want to give you a shout out for that because you was definitely instrumental with part of my growth as a in my adulthood on just knowing how to be a man and knowing the things that it takes to be a man and how the world perceives us and how we supposed oh, wow. to go about that you know and how to handle that so i want to give you kudos to that and we're gonna clap it up for we're gonna clap it up. Oh man, Dr. Ellison, Damn, bro. You know, Ellison, man. We're gonna clap it up. I'm serious, and I'm I, 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 I sincerely, sincerely, you you embrace me. I mean, at first, I don't think we liked each other. No, you know, but, but, but I, I was kind of scared. Of, I was kind of scared of your big butt. It's like you was too bigger than me. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's doing his bigger than me. <laughs> like we looking at each other, but we won't speak. And then when I finally spoke to you, I was like, man, this guy's so humble. He down to earth. He, he don't play no games. I can sense that. Now, I already knew he wasn't a person to play any games. I could tell how you carried yourself. And when you did talk, I could hear how, like, you demanded respect and you demanded attention. So from a man, alpha to alpha, I'm like, I, I, I like, this is the wolf pack I want to be around. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah, and yeah. I'm going to be around people. I want to be around this circle because you ain't, you're not going to do anything but help me get better. And you showed me you was a friend, you know, coming to birthday parties, inviting me here, taking me out to eat and 
paying for lunch and inviting me over. It was just, you know, so I, again, I want to thank you for that. And uh, I really appreciate it. If I ain't never tell you, I just greatly appreciate that. Brother, first of all, thank you, man. Um, and, and honestly, Elder Man, be honest with you, um, when, when I met you, it was probably one of the toughest times of my life, right? Because I was mm -hmm. going through so much. And mm -hmm. you, you, you were the first person that I probably low-key was kind of intimidated by. He was bigger than mm -hmm. me. Yeah. And you had big hands. You had yeah, you big hands. You keep talking about my big hands. not that big, man. Yo, I remember, <laughs> I, I remember we was messing around and you like pushed me. I'm like, yo, you big and strong. <laughs> and, but, but no, on, on some real stuff, man, um, you were the first man that I met that was similar to me. We had the same mentality. We were taking those stuff. He wasn't going to back down. Very determined. But more importantly, man, it was just honesty, man. It was honest. We, we was all about being honest. I'm not lying. I mean, you said something to me. You know I ain't going to be lying, right? I ain't got time to be lying. And I yeah. think for me, me, someone like you, the time that I met you, I needed that because iron sharp as iron. You know what I'm saying? Real talk. Like two niggas, no, 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 no disrespect. Like, we two niggas, but we, we ain't got no competition, no beef. And uh, so oh, I, I had a man. responsibility to me to share with you because you share some stuff that I ain't never do. I, I mean, I ain't never gang bang. I'm not from Newport News from the hood. I'm from the country. So you mm -hmm. kind of put me on a game about what to do, how to handle myself, you know, the whole mm -hmm. nine. Because I really didn't know, you know. Mm -hmm. I'm green. I'm older than you. But, mm -hmm. um, brother, um, hang with you, man. Some of the best days of my life. Man, I ain't gonna lie. man. I, hey. I, I I always, you know, tell people it's only a, like a handful of people that I like. And when I say like, yeah. I mean, to a point to hang with. Because we, like, we, we don't like nobody. <laughs> we, yeah, like nobody. Exactly. we didn't like nobody. So I, I like I, yo, let me say this. You said it already. But those are some of the best times, like just just hanging out, just in going places, eating out. I mean, we had a great time and i think that what just you said Irish, just la laughing. laughing just laughing all day just being silly but when you say iron sharp sharpens iron i think that's what we are missing in our community a lot of now because right. nowadays yeah. if you got if you have two black alpha alpha males somehow they're gonna bump heads to the point where they're gonna fall out and then they end up beefing. that's how all the time street beef you know i always go back to the streets because that's what i'm used to but most of the times when you when you see people beef in the streets, they knew that person and they were good friends with them. Yeah. That's because we can't never look at somebody and be proud of somebody's success without being a hater or being mm. having something slick to say about it. Now, about I'd be around these other cultures. Uh, I remember my agent one time, he told me he's Jew. And one, it was like 2008, 2009 or something like that. And he said, you know what, Elton? Why the Jew, um, Jews, we run the world. I was like, what? He's like, we run the world. I was like, what you talking about? He's like, because out of any other culture, we stick together. And we make mm. sure that if I have if I have $100,000, why not give my neighbor five or 10 and teach him how I got this 100? Because I know I'm going to get the 100 back. I'm going to get that 5,000 back. That's nothing. Right so on. we don't do that. We don't support our own culture we don't support our own people in anything without having to say something smart but you know i tell my guys who work all the time 
And it's no offense because I have white friends. I have, I'm diverse, you know, all of that. But I always tell my, my employees sometimes, I was like, y'all get mad at the supervisor and what he says. But if you was working a job and you had uh, a white supervisor, would your response mm. be the same? That's right. That's right. Would your, would your response be the same? This man is, the, he's telling you the same thing that the, this black man is telling you the same thing the white man is saying. But the only difference is you're going to give him a bunch of talk back, a lot of lip, a lot of, uh, da, 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 da. but when this white man tell you this, you go, okay, cool. And this is why as a culture, we can't, we can't get uh, ahead like we want because we don't try to do what you said and what this show is about, iron shop and iron. You got to be together with your own culture, man. You got to stay with each other and, and help each other. You see somebody down, push them up, help them up. Mm. If you see, if you making money and you being successful and you see somebody struggling financially, you might, you don't have to give them money, but teach them how to make money. That's right. Or help them. It, it could be right. a simple, it could be a simple connect. You, oh, what you trying to do? You trying to start a, a, a fishing company? Man, I know this guy over here. He own like, he own about 10, 20 boats. I'm gonna connect you y'all two together. Y'all maybe I can start something up together. Now you got your official company because I put it. It's connections. It's not always about having to physically give money to somebody. So as a culture, we got to learn how to do that and stop hating and dragging each other down. We've been manipulated in our life to think like that. That's not how we're supposed to. We're manipulated to think we're supposed to be in competition with each other, but that's not. That's all the manipulation from the European country. That's what it came from. A lot of this stuff comes from Europeans. I can go street, but I can also go back to history too. I, 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 I went to I went to UVA for a reason. You know what I mean? I ain't gonna go, I, I'm not gonna go too deep into it, but like I said, a lot of a lot of the the mindset that we have in, in the black community is all manipulation, and I think we have to learn how to clear our brains and our minds to be able to, to be happy for each other. And be you know, when you told me you wanted me to be on here, hey, I'm doing it. I don't care what I got to do. I can easily. Oh, I'm busy. I'm I'm busy. I got to do this. I don't care. My my guy wants me on the spot. I'm going to be there. Period. I appreciate you, know, you so, man. Yeah, I appreciate you. And, and you know, and, and I I, I <clears> wanted <throat> I wanted you up here because um you you one of the realest cats I know. You know, re- one of the realest appreciate cats that. I know. Um, I I told my mom this story. You know, mm-hmm. when I don't talk to Elton for a long time, and if I don't, if I say, hey man, I need to talk to you. Elder call me and say, "Yo, what's wrong, man? What, what you need? What you need? You, you good?" <laughs> yeah, I'm all yeah. You know, yeah. always, man. He always ready to ride for me. Always got my back. I can call him no matter what time of night. You know, his guy's always there, and I just love him, man. I love you, and I appreciate my you, man. man. Um, appreciate you too, man. Um, I love you too, and, man. And I, what you just shared was just 100, man. And I would like to have you come back. You know, just just continue mm-hmm. to share um, as you continue to grow because. You know, though we're on Black Talk Radio Network, and I know there's other people listening in, Elton Brown has a story that everybody needs to hear. You know, to me, um, for, for young kids, um, on Sunday, I'm doing a funeral for a kid who's 6'7", who's 270 mm. pounds. Um, he took an overdose of, of fentanyl. He just graduated high school uh, in June, uh, 18 years old, um, had a football scholarship, um, going to a football mm. I'm going to Lewisburg College, and his friends, you know, they did the on. They left him there for two hours, and so he wound mm-hmm. up dying this past Tuesday. And as I was listening to your story, I'm like, man, I wish people could have heard what you said. Those kids could hear what you said, because mm-hmm. you know a lot of kids are not making it out. 
right? They're not making it out. And you was forcing to make it, make it out. I'm glad you made it out. I'm glad you made it out because my life is better for meeting you. And I think the world's better for having that. you as well, man. So, I appreciate um, that. You, you got any last words you want to share, man, before we close out? Yeah, again, um, if you want to learn more about Boomer's Transitions, yeah. uh, if you know anybody who's moving in the industry, yes, we work with seniors, but we do work with others, uh, generations. So you don't have to be a senior to get a call uh, to call us. Um, again, it's boomerstransitions.com. Uh, the phone number is 804-617-4219. Um, again, we have social media on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. So if you know anybody to move in, if you're a realtor and you need help packing, moving things around, give us a call or email us. You can email us on the uh, website as well. Also, don't forget my baby girl, Zaria Brown. She has a YouTube page uh, called Zaria Vlogs with family and friends. Let's help her get her subscribers and and uh, likes up. And um, yeah, just be on the lookout for great things coming in the future from the Brown family. Um, and like I said, again, I'm glad you had me. I appreciate it. And it's an honor to be here. And uh, I appreciate everything you have done for me uh, as a friend first. Um, I just appreciate everything. And again, thank you for having me. Oh, brother, Iron Sharpens Iron Man. Um, if you have any questions in regards to my, my, my brother, Elton, you can you can email me at eohenderson509 at Gmail or at TalkingFaith with EOH at, at Gmail. Um, we, we will have an Instagram and all that stuff coming up pretty soon. This is our, um, actually, our, our Elton is my second guest. Um, this is my third podcast. And again, I'm honored to have him here. I thank y'all for tuning in once again, family and friends. Check us out next week. I'm going to have another guest coming up. Um, this will be shown um, live, not live, but recorded on Friday night. Thank y'all for tuning in. Y'all have a great day. And once again, thank Elton Brown, my brother, for tuning in with us today. God bless y'all. Join us again for the next installment of Iron Sharpens Iron, Talking Faith, where your faith is inspired, motivated, and activated. This show will be rebroadcast every Friday. Remember, faith is the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. Peace and blessing until next time.